Welcome to The Heart of It, where we take our listeners to the heart of healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Victoria Lee, and I'm thrilled that for our first season, we'll be speaking with some of the exceptional people at Fraser Health that are at the heart of healthcare. As we begin today's podcast, I'd like to start by acknowledging that we are joining you from the unceded shared and traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, particularly Katsi, Kwatlan, Coquitlam, Tawasin, and Samyamu First Nations, as well as home to Surrey Delta Métis Association. Today, I'm honored to have Trudy Robertson with us. She's a clinical nurse specialist and has been a member of our Fraser Health family for over 40 years. Welcome, Thank Trudy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'd love to hear about how or when you knew that healthcare was your calling. I was a teenager um, when I decided to become a lifeguard and swim instructor. Uh, and I got introduced to the, the pathophysiology of, of um, health mm-hmm. in terms of rescuing people and learning about injuries and prevention. And as I got m- more good at swimming and, and uh, became a lifeguard and instructor, I really enjoyed the health side of it, in particular the prevention yeah. Um So that uh, was how I put myself through nursing school. When I think back to where I was and how I got there, it's just been an incredible uh, life path for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and in 40 years in healthcare, I'm sure you've seen it all. Yes. Well, maybe not (laughs) a lot, but a lot. (laughs) Yeah, because there's always surprises, I find, in healthcare, right? Yeah, for sure. And what brought you to Fraser Health specifically? Well, my partner had a career change. Uh, we were living on Vancouver Island. We moved to the Lower Mainland, and um, I was raising children and had been a nurse for a number of years at that point, but I, I wanted to get back. I was too afraid of being out of nursing too long. So I, I did a casual position in long-term care. Uh, and did that for a number of years, and then I felt it was time to go into acute care nursing. And you went into specifically uh, into neurosurgery and neurosciences thereafter more broadly. Can you talk a little bit about what the pull was to that specific area? Well, I always say that I never really chose neurosciences. It did choose me because um, being casual and having just certain days of the week that I was available to work, um, I was deployed mostly to the neurosurgery unit Mm -hmm. at Royal Columbian Hospital. Um, It fit my schedule and my work life, um, but it was a a difficult type of nursing to learn initially Mm -hmm. because there hadn't been any educational programs in my nursing schools around that piece. So you learned by your colleagues, and they mentored you, and they taught at the bedside and explained the mystery of neuroscience. What are some of the mysteries of neurosciences? So the mystery of neuroscience is how does the brain change? How does it work? And why does focused rehabilitation efforts actually improve function. And it's through neuroplasticity. We know that the brain 
for some reasons we don't understand, does not heal, and yet in someone else it will. And there's a lot of explanation for that, you know, their, their health status, their lifestyle, all those things really contribute to a healthy brain. And when it's injured, we don't always know how the patient will recover. We do our very best with our treatments and therapies and, and including family uh, as a part of the care plan. But it's always a mystery as to how our efforts and how the patient will do. We never really know. I say there's miracles in neuroscience and there's tragedy in neuroscience for reasons we don't understand. The brain is a fantastic organ. It surprises us. So I really look to the RN leaders on the ward to help explain a lot of the, what we were seeing and how to manage this vulnerable population. And it was really at their encouragement that they, they invested in my knowledge and, and in my potential that um, I figured if, if I was going to be deployed to this unit as often as I was, I might as well learn and get good at it and, and be able to, to function as independently as I could um, and be a part of that healthcare team. There's personal connection to that specific area, right? There is, yeah. Um, neurological conditions, you know, is much broader than I think a lot of people can appreciate, right from, you know, in utero, right through to the dementia we're seeing in, in older adult life. Um, but my mother had a brain aneurysm when I was in my early 20s. Uh, she survived. She's still alive today. Um, my mother-in-law, um, she had Parkinson's, and my father-in-law and my father had back injuries, and it seemed no matter where I looked, there are people living with neurological conditions and injuries, and and that became even more of a pull into yeah. the specialty yeah. to better understand exactly how can we care for people, how can we prevent uh, complications and, and injuries. It sounds like, you know, how sometimes we say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a whole unit to raise a registered nurse. Uh, you going from LPN to RN in that setting, a very supportive environment from the sounds of it. Yes. And it still is very supportive of each other. And, um, I went on to be the educator of that unit and then a clinical nurse specialist. So it was really full circle of being mentored and investing in the potential of our staff to uh, being the mentor. And what do you see that's changed over time? So I think there has been change uh, in our organization, in leadership, in technology, in research, of course. Um, and that has been, I think, our number one reason to change is to, to stay attuned to societal change and demographic change and population change. Hmm. What are some of the biggest technological changes you've seen? Well, certainly there's been um, the introduction of microsurgery uh, many years ago that is much better for the patient, and that has led the way to computer-based programs. Um, currently, we are... Uh, in stroke care, we are having a lot of discussions around um, AI-based 
uh, medical imaging software in order to better diagnose and guide treatment and predictability around um, treatment and outcomes for, for stroke patients. And that's been a huge success in Fraser Health and across our province and, our, and across Canada. So we are exploring what more can that do, but it's a very good example of how uh, AI-based programs can actually target improvements in healthcare. Seeing those results on the ground must be pretty exciting because you're actually seeing it in patient care and what kind of difference it makes. Yeah, it is very exciting because it has changed the way we care for people. The AI-based medical imaging software for stroke diagnostics is a program that is in the CT scanner that actually interprets the images, puts a predictability factor in, and sends messages to the mobile device of the stroke neurologist to read the images and the predictive nature of what the images are saying and uh, and make diagnosis, whether it's a stroke or not, whether it is amenable to intervention like the endovascular therapy or the thrombolytic therapy. So, And that's all very rapidly done because we have targets for treatment. 30 minutes for a thrombolytic or a clot-busting medication for those patients that are eligible, and within an hour for the endovascular procedure. Mm-hmm. So the clock is ticking, and we can we can reduce our door to thrombolytic times just by the speed of a stroke neurologist looking at, at these images on their mobile device. Mm-hmm. And that's why time is brain. That is why time is brain. (laughs) One of the stories I've told has been around the introduction of endovascular neurosurgery. So in a patient, if they have an aneurysm um, that is rupturing or not yet ruptured, the interventionalist can actually put a catheter through a puncture into a large vessel in the groin and feed up catheters and devices within that catheter to retrieve either a a debris or to expand the vessel in the brain. And what that meant was no longer did we have to have an open operation procedure for someone who had an aneurysm that they could actually go through uh, endovascularly through the vessels into the brain and treat it. And and when we had that very first case, this patient that we had actually was discharged the next morning, which we, for open craniotomy procedures, uh, would take four or five days in hospital yeah. before going home. Uh, it was just absolutely groundbreaking in neurosurgical procedures. And and improving patients' lives and their outcomes, that we can actually take technology and use it for better treatment. In fact, when the patient was discharged that morning, the staff came out of the the lunchroom just to watch her walk down the hall with her daughter. And, And we had never seen that before. I imagine for the first patient, she also must have had her own experience what was that like for her? Yeah, she had full trust 
in the neurosurgeon that was doing this uh, first procedure. Uh, she was overjoyed. Um, she was worried, I think, going into it, as all patients would be with the condition diagnosed that way. Um, but yeah, we, we worked with her closely, and, and um, she was a part of her care. You know, she instructed us sometimes around how she preferred to do uh, certain elements of her care. I imagine uh, the other change that you talked about around demographics, you're seeing quite a bit of that change impacting day-to-day services as well. Can you share a little bit more about that too? Yeah, our, our uh, systems are, are no doubt stretched and capacity and access is always a challenge on a day-to-day basis. I think the public are becoming more and more informed um, through the advent of internet and um, and just pursuing their options and and what they expect for healthcare. Uh, so we have a, a big challenge to try and not only support our populations and our people to better understand their own health, and and sometimes that will mean patient education materials. It could mean how we approach care, being very uh, sensitive yeah. to. Um, diversity and, and cultural and traditional ways of being. Uh, and I think that is a good thing. That is what is our society. That is what our nursing practice um, needs to reflect. Yeah. And it's what people deserve, which can be very challenging. And what are some of the unique challenges or, or needs that you see in Fraser Health, given the diversity of the population? I th- I think it's not only professionally important to me, but it's personally important to me that that we better understand our patients, residents, clients, in how they live, what is important to them, and to be able to reflect their values in the work that we we serve and give to our patient population. Um, I did a nursing course in New Zealand many years ago. Uh, for six weeks, and and we, as a group of student nurses and um, our stru- instructor, we really immersed ourselves in the Maori um, population and culture, and we worked with them, and we learned about them, and it was a very rich experience around how um, to be culturally safe, and some of the practices that I learned, um, and why the practices were handed down generation to generation within that population. And I brought those learnings home, and I see a lot of parallels, that it's very important that we get to know our patients and to to understand their values and what's important to them, and then design our work in accordance with those values. You talked also about how in the last 40 years, how nursing practice has changed, but also uh, there's much more of team-based care, multidisciplinary care. How does that look for patients and families that we look after in the settings that you do? It really is the richness of healthcare delivery is the interdisciplinary team. And most environments that I've been a part of and in part of today is around teaming and and meeting and taking those moments even even a collective pause during the day to lean on each other to brainstorm and problem solve are very valuable 
because we are not doing any of this alone. We're doing it in a team and making sure that we bring as many different professions together for the same purpose mm-hmm. is where we, we come up with our patient and family specific care planning and, and looking towards personal goals for patients, um, whatever they may be. Uh, it is, it is the team. Like the village that mm-hmm. raises the child. Yeah. It's the team that cares for patients. And I imagine there's been lots of opportunities along the way in your career. So what's kept you and what's keeping you at Fraser? I I enjoy the people I work with. Uh, I love the health authority. I live within the health authority. Uh, we have our challenges. But again, it goes back to those values. Uh, I really appreciate the wellness program of Fraser Health. It's so important to everyone to take care of of yourself and and each other. That's going back to those days that I worked alongside those mentors and Mm -hmm. RN teachers. Um, That brings it back full circle for me. I'm curious from the years that you've spent in neurosciences and healthcare, is there a standout patient story that's really made a difference in terms of reflecting on your practice or doing things differently or just somebody that's really touched your heart? Well, I think more recently over the last few years um, with the endovascular program um, at Royal Columbian Hospital, uh, I have seen myself and I have heard not that long ago around how a, a stroke patient can come in to an acute care environment and have a procedure in the interventional suite of, of endovascular therapy and have a clot removed and regain their their deficits from their stroke, whether it's paralysis or loss of speech, it can be that dramatic. And there's nothing more satisfying than seeing technology lead the way to instantly treat a problem like stroke Mm -hmm. that can lead to improved outcomes and regaining function, and in some cases going back to work. And that is a, a fairly new intervention over the last number of years that uh, we have in Fraser Health and throughout the province, but it continues to be an important element of stroke care. And mm-hmm. it is the future yeah. of stroke care. And the other area that I wanted to explore uh, from what you mentioned uh, and around that trusting relationship between the patient and the care team. Uh, from what you've observed, what are the key ingredients for that trusting relationship? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's communication and being transparent and uh, making sure that the patient and family have had their questions answered, but just providing them that um, the information and, and keeping the lines of communication open within the, the patient, family, and team um, care model. The better we communicate with each other and with our patients and families, then the better we get to know them and identify risks and, and put actions into place to, to p- promote good outcomes. And 
in the times that you've been practicing, or have there been any surprises? Um, in SARS. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was uh, a floor nurse, and um, I remember that first patient that came in and how little we knew about it and didn't know how to care for that patient. And I'm sh- it was very... Um, it was very uncertain times. So when the pandemic came, I was think I was reflecting back on on that SARS epidemic and and how the healthcare system responded. So with COVID, absolutely, uh, COVID changed a lot, and uh, I was redeployed for about five months during that. Thank and you for doing that. Yeah, it, you know, any chance I get to be close to the public is where my heart is, uh, but it was uh, answering the call. So uh, there was many, many of us, many people in all roles that were redeployed or worked differently because of COVID. But one thing it did do was change the way teams work. With It expedited virtual health, in particular for our outpatient clinics, which we still have um, used virtual health modalities now um, in our stroke prevention clinics and many other types of outpatient clinics. What would you tell yourself, Trudy, that was just starting out in nursing 40 years ago? Uh, I, I think I would tell myself to be adaptable to change. We live in an ever-changing society and the way we do things will probably change. And I would tell myself, be okay with change. Flex with it. Roll with it. Uh, trust that the organization is going to take care of all of the change management that we need um, and be a part of the solution. Now, we're at the end, and there's a question that I ask everyone. What is one thing that you'd like to let our listeners know about our health system? I would like listeners to know that there are incredible successes within our health system at every point of care. And there is a lot of good people out there that are doing great work. We see it. Uh, sometimes it's hard to, to find it, but it's there. Well, thank you so much, Trudy, for joining me today. And most importantly, your incredible career and work in healthcare. And as you said, at the heart of it, uh, you said the closer that you can get to patients and public, that's where your heart is. And I think that's where the heart of healthcare is, too. So thank you so much. Thank you. Join us next time as we continue to get the heart of healthcare. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. The Heart of It is a Fraser Health production. I'm Dr. Victoria Lee, your host. Vanessa Wozno and Kevin Smith are our producers. Recording and editing is done by Fraser Health Communications and Public Affairs.